Hey everyone, excited for this week's episode with Mansi Katari, Director of Product Marketing at Maven. For all who know me, I came from the women's health, sexual health space. So I personally reached out to Mansi and asked if she would join the show to give us a behind the scenes look at Maven. Maven is one of the fastest growing innovative women's health companies, and their offering spans across the entire family planning process from couples who've been trying to conceive for over 14 months to the 35-year-old who wants to freeze her eggs, and even couples exploring non-traditional paths to parenthood. Mansi brings a really unique perspective to this podcast because Maven mostly operates in the B2B space, partnering with employers to provide family planning benefits to their employees. So in this episode, we're going to dig into what B2B to C marketing looks like. And for those of you who are in marketplaces, or have ever had to balance work between B2B and B2C marketing, this episode is for you. This podcast is a partnership with Sharebird. Sharebird is a peer mentoring platform for product marketers. There is a great resource on there. There's a job site, AMAs, so please check it out. And if you have any feedback on this podcast or even want to be on it, we would love to hear from you. You can shoot us a note at sharebird at podcast.com or you can connect with me over LinkedIn. But all right, marketers, let's dive in and get a behind the scenes look. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Meredith Davis, back again with another episode of Behind the Scenes Consumer Product Marketing, brought to you by Sharebird. In this week's episode, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at one of the fastest-growing and innovative women's health companies, Maven Clinic, and the recent launch of Maven Planning, which supports reproductive health and the journey of trying to conceive. Maven is a digital health company for women and families founded on the idea that access to better care before, during, and after pregnancies benefits employers just as much as patients and customers. Their platform supports over 5 million individuals through preconception, IVF, adoption, surrogacy, maternity, postpartum, and early parenting. Wow, that is a lot. Many leading employers use Maven to provide important family benefits to their employees, such as L'Oreal, BuzzFeed, Snap, and more. So everyone listening, if you are a product marketer who wants to learn more about the relationship between B to B to C, or maybe you work for a company or want to work for a company that markets both to businesses and consumers, you are in for a serious treat. What I find most interesting is that while 79% of U.S. employees would choose better benefits over a pay raise, for millennials, that figure jumps to 89%. And as a result, millennials' demands are driving big changes at leading companies to expand fertility support and invest in better maternity care, expanding paid leave for both parents and helping new parents integrate work and family life. And to give us a behind-the-scenes look at how this comes to life at Maven, I'm here with Maven's Director of Product Marketing and User Research, Monsi Katari. Monsi, it is so great to have you here today. Hi, Meredith. So great to be here. And that was an incredible pitch. We should hire <laughs> you here at Maven. 
Oh, well, I must say I absolutely love the reproductive health space. I actually worked for a sex toy company right out of college. And then I went to work for a dating app. And when I was working for the league dating app, we actually would host these egg mixers to bring women together to help them understand more about what their options were when it came to fertility. So I got to say, I'm really excited to have you. That's awesome. That's a super interesting path. I have to ask, you know, you've been at Maven for almost a year now. From a reproductive health perspective, what has been one of the most interesting learnings or even meaningful moments you've had thus far? I think just some of the facts and figures around this space have been astonishing to me. So for example, I had no idea that one in eight couples go through the experience of infertility or that even when it comes to pregnancy, up to 20% of pregnancies result in miscarriage. And so learning about those things, learning about some of those statistics have been really interesting and sort of helped some of the problems that we're trying to solve as a company in perspective for me and being at the age where a lot of my friends are starting to have a family and I'm thinking about having a family myself. It's been a really interesting year to start at a company like Maven because I've actually seen some of my friends go through those challenging experiences and some of those problems come to life firsthand. I have also hit the baby circuit with my friend group. And I think what I'm hearing over and over again is we as women or female bodied, we were taught for years how to not get pregnant that all of a sudden now it's time to get pregnant and we are at such a loss or even not even time to get pregnant, time to start thinking about it in the next few years. And we just have no education or understanding on where to turn or what to do. So it's definitely something I know that we're going to jump into today. And so really looking forward to it. Before we get into the deep dive on Maven planning, I want to chat about your background for a quick second, because in doing this podcast, it's clear that there are so many different paths to product marketing. However, I must say that yours is the most unique I've seen. How in the world did you go from Stanford Law School to becoming the director of product marketing at Maven? Like many people, I graduated from college not quite knowing what I wanted to do. But throughout my life, the thing that I've been really passionate about is social impact. And so I went on careers that are sort of aspirational and focused on making the world a better place. I know that may sound idealistic, but... No, um, I love it. Yeah. So I had this idea that I was going to go to law school and be some sort of social justice lawyer, like Aaron Brockovich type of personality. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. Yeah. Female power, all of that. And I ended up going to law school and realizing that it just completely wasn't for me and very different from what I thought it would be. No disrespect to the lawyers out there, but I felt instead of being creative and innovative and futuristic about how we could make things better. I was being asked to look into how we've done things historically and use that to inform what we should be doing. And so that concept was difficult for me to wrap my head around, as well as the fact that uh, as a lawyer who's early in your career, you don't often get to choose who you represent or the projects that you work on. And so there's sort of this clash between personal ethics and your job, which is an important one to represent whoever your client is. And so those things were going on. And then at the same time, 
I was really fortunate to go to law school in one of the most innovative places in the world, which is Silicon Valley, and just got so excited about this other way to make impact through technology and just decided that in there that that was the route that I wanted to go down and that this fast paced break things and learn aspirational industry was so exciting to me. And it turns out that I feel like in some twisted way, a lot of the skills that I had picked up during law school really did translate well to the world of product marketing from being able to communicate verbally and in written format and take complex ideas and simplify them to being able to persuade people to being an analytical and process oriented thinker. All of those things came together for me in product marketing. And then to bring things full circle, I was fortunate enough to land back in the digital health company with a really big mission to change women's and family health. And so that thread of social impact, I've been able to continue in this line of work. I absolutely love that. And I I think it's so important for product marketers to have more of that like analytical thinking, operational minded strategic planning, because I think that some of us product marketers tend to lean more towards the go-to-market marketing campaigns, which I tend to lean more heavily on just as a strength, as a, in my strengths or product marketing superpowers, as they say. And so to kind of balance it out are, are those who come from more of like that research and insights gathering up background, which I think is fantastic. So happy to have you in the product marketing space. So let's dive into the launch of Maven Planning, because I got to be honest here, the perk of being a podcast host is that I get to choose which companies and people I want to learn from, both on a personal and professional level. And Maven was one of the top companies on my list, both from a personal and professional level. So, you know, as we were saying before, I'm 28, totally hit the wedding and baby circuit. And none of these things are discussed around how to have a baby. You know, we're taught over and over again how to not get pregnant and we need more information and more education to understand what our options are. And I imagine that many Maven patients feel the same. So for those who might not be aware, can you share a little bit about what preconception care is. Yeah, a little pop culture reference. If anyone's been on the Bridgerton train, I think that that's a theme throughout the show that this lack of education for women on what's going on with their bodies and, you know, how babies are made. Yes. Um, and so we, we really haven't evolved that much from a few hundred years ago in terms of some of those social taboos. I'm such a big Bridgerton fan. Like you said that, and I just lit up over here. <laughs> So Maven Planning is all about supporting women's reproductive health and that journey to trying to conceive for those who are thinking about starting a family one day. So preconception care, just for reference, 86% of women in the U.S. don't receive routine preconception care from their regular OBGYN appointment. So like a a large majority. A large majority. I don't know if you knew this, but half of the pregnancies in the US today are actually unplanned. And so there's just a ton that, that goes into both reproductive health and preconception care. On the reproductive health side, it's really about like diet and exercise and lifestyle and all those things that go into maintaining a healthy body and being able to conceive when you're ready to, as well as really understanding different options for a 
contraception and birth control so that you are in full control of when you decide to start your family. And then once you're trying to conceive, it's about what are the ways that you can improve your chances of conceiving naturally, whether it's tracking your ovulation cycles, taking folic acid, taking care of your mental health, because stress plays a role in your ability to to conceive. So kind of this holistic view on all the things that go into healthy and, and successful pregnancy during that process. Even for example, relationship coaching, you know, that that can be a really trying time for Um, a couple as they're going through this experience together and are managing their own um, expectations as well. So um, that kind of holistic um, view and treating that that process pre-pregnancy as its own medical experience. Totally. I think that so many, you know, women out there just assume that, you know, you take, you stop taking your birth control pills, you, you know, take out that IUD and you can start making babies. And that is just so not the case. So how did you know that this was the right product and the right time? Were there, what was the research that went into ideating on a product like this? There was actually a ton of research that led to the development of this product. Prior to our planning program, we had programs for egg freezing, IUI and IVF treatment, adoption, surrogacy, and then the pregnancy and postpartum journeys. And we were learning from our members who were enrolling in some of those pre-pregnancy tracks that were highly specific like IUI and IVF, that actually a lot of those users were enrolling in those programs before they were actually ready for treatment, but they were just really wanting some sort of support through the process of trying to conceive. And so we learned from our care advocate team who's working one-on-one with every user that a lot of those members that were enrolling in those other products that we had in the market were looking for this like foundational preconception care support. And then we validated that through user surveys and assessments that somewhere between 10 to 20% of users who enrolled in IUI and IVF because that's what they were getting through their employer were actually looking for that general support about improving their chances of conceiving. And they were booking appointments with OB and fertility awareness educators and nutritionists and reproductive endocrinologists. So sort of that like holistic suite of providers. And from there, we realized that there is demand for a program that was specifically focused on preconception, that first entry point into parenthood. And as we dove further into the research, we realized that there are kind of two distinct groups of users within that bucket. There are people who were interested in starting a family one day, but for now, we're really just more focused on reproductive health and delaying pregnancy through contraception. And then there is that bucket of people who are in those early stages of trying to conceive already. And so within our planning program, we use that research to develop two different tracks. So users indicate whether they've started trying already or whether they're more just focused on reproductive health right now and thinking about starting a family one day. And then those lead to two distinct experiences within the program. 
This is so fascinating. And I like completely identify with this. You know, there's hundreds of, of life coaches out there to help you go through these like big life changes. And there's career coaches out there who, and career programs that help you, you know, when you want to switch careers or you were laid off or whatever it may be, you know, why, oh, why do we not have any coaches or, or programs to help you navigate this really important moment in individual and couples lives. So it seems like that's what Maven planning was aimed to do. And you have these two different tracks, like those who are ready now and those who are thinking about it in the next couple of years. And it really is two different problems. Like one is, okay, like the, you know, what processes do I need to be doing at this moment, whether that's changing birth control or starting IVF or egg freezing or whatnot. And the other is just really about education and making sure you're having a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And to add to that, like even just looking at the market um, for products out there, there are definitely a whole bunch of consumer products focused on specific things. Like if you go um, to the app store, you'll find a million period tracking apps. Right. I was or, just about to say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or ovulation tracking apps that are really specifically focused on one piece of, you know, managing your reproductive health or trying to conceive. But there really wasn't this idea that you could actually connect with providers on demand, like a fertility awareness educator. I didn't even know that that was a type of professional that and have the resources and articles and virtual classes and be able to connect with other people who are going through the same thing. That kind of platform view of supporting right. this experience didn't really exist, nor the idea that this is something that your employer would actually pay for and, and provide to you for, for free, essentially. Yep. And, you know, it's interesting because being at a startup myself, I have also taken on the role as head of not only product marketing, but also user research. So I'm really inspired by your role in particular. What do you think the benefit is of leading user research efforts as a product marketer? I think that user research and product marketing together just really strengthen the impact that a product marketing team can have. And the way that I sort of think of it is that, you know, the goal of any growing company is, first of all, to be able to understand your user in and out and really know what are their pain points, what problems can we solve for them, how do they... um, behave on our platform and use our product. And then on the flip side is like, what is the message we want to tell in the market so that after we've understood the problems and we've built solutions around them, we can really share a story that resonates with the user and bring them back to our product experience. And so that's where I think product marketing and user research can pair really well because you're both working at the early stages of you know a product roadmap or a product development cycle in understanding what those pain points are and pulling out user insights and then you're working at the tail end of a product product development process on taking the product and all the rich insights about your users in crafting a message and so you're kind of like 
sandwiched around the product development cycle and then in full circle, taking feedback and insights post-launch and bringing them back um, to the beginning or the next iteration of the product development cycle. So I, I think that when those two things are paired, it's incredibly valuable to a growing organization that there's a team that's owning those two ones. Lenses. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of product marketers are out there ask themselves like how can I get more involved in user research and it's so different at big companies where you have user research on site and you are a stakeholder versus you know startups and growth stage companies where you might not have a user researcher and as product marketers we put on the user researcher hat and and kind of own it and it's a beautiful thing because we actually get to really be the voice of the customer from um, an insights perspective. And my my question for you there is, you know, how do you think through which methodologies you use? In particular, like when do you lean on qual versus quant for specific insights? So I think quant research is really helpful for establishing a baseline when you're trying to answer questions like, how many people does this impact or how much of a problem is this? And especially when you're trying to prioritize, for example, prioritizing building for one audience for another, you really want to know how big of a user base is this potentially impacting? So for example, if we're looking at, you know, launching planning versus launching a parenting product, like what percentage of our current user base would be interested in one versus the other and how much revenue could that generate for us is like what that leads to. Whereas qual is really understanding why and how. So once we've decided what our priorities are and we've established our baselines, then we want to understand why do people behave the way they do and and how can we potentially solve for their needs? And that's where I go deeper with qualitative. Got it. So it's like qual is really used for understanding the why of the inherent behaviors or actions that someone is taking. And that quant is really like your focal point that kind of kicks off the qual for more like value, more insights. Yeah, I would say quant is sort of establishing a baseline to help you prioritize what to focus on. And then once you've figured out what to focus on, qual will help you go deeper and understand how to solve that specific problem or why um, a user might behave the way they do. Got it. Love it. Makes total sense. And in talking about where to focus on things or, or what to focus on, I want to talk about messaging and positioning for a bit because what I find really interesting when it comes to how to create messaging for this product is that you basically had to create messaging around two separate programs, you know, one for trying to get pregnant within the next 12 months uh, or so, and one for those who really just want to maintain their overall wellness and reproductive health. Not only are you having those two different types of messages, but then you're creating two separate messaging strategies for employers and employees. So you're almost managing or, or juggling between four different kind of like s- separate streams. How did you even begin to start parsing through all this? Like, where do you even start to begin? We have so many different audiences to juggle at Maven. And I think the first stage is always about, you know, developing personas. And so on the buyer side, we have general personas about what do employers care about and how do they think about prioritizing one benefit 
over another for their employee population. And then on the employee side or on the consumer side, we really have to go through that process of developing new personas when we're developing a completely new journey with a different audience, like preconception care, for example. And so that's where learning from the user research that we've done comes into play. And so to take the specific example of preconception care, employers are constantly making trade-offs. They have a limited budget um, every year that's allocated towards benefits or bringing in new benefits. And not only that, every time they bring in a benefit, they have to think about how do they reduce costs for some of the other benefits that they might already have in play. So this concept of return on investment is really important to an employer. And so really looking at some of the scientific research and the medical research that's been done around preconception care and why that can be such a worthwhile investment, especially for a self-insured employer, for example, that's you know, funding their own maternal care for their employees, preconception care and, you know, providing the right level of education up front. There's a ton of research around how that can play a big role in potentially driving down IUI and IVF, because if we can help someone conceive naturally, they might not need fertility treatment at all. And often employers are um, sponsoring part of that treatment that's becoming more and more common on the fertility treatment side. And then secondly, you know, that upfront care can play a big role in driving down maternal health costs down the line, because if you're healthier, you're less likely to have a preterm birth, for example, and that's a big expense for an employer potentially. So it's really about taking what the employer cares about and then the research and science that exists out there and then framing it around the employer's, you know, interests. Right. Right. Um, so like in the most distilled version, it's like, uh, you know, employee satisfaction, employee retention and, and cost. Yeah, that's amazing. That sounds like it came right <laughs> out of our pitch deck, actually, which I built last year. But those are exactly the three pillars that we fit our programs into is, you know, employers want happy employees that are going to be engaged and they want lower healthcare costs. And so if we can show that there's a lot of demand for this product and employers or employees are going to love it and be satisfied around it, and then we can, they already have been with our other programs. So we have some credibility there. And then and we can make this cost argument using the medical research, those two things together are super powerful. Right. So that's on the buyer side. And then on the employee side, yeah, to your point, we had these two kind of like different groups um, of users. And so we had to create an overarching message for them that was about like the aspiration of starting a family one day, regardless of where you are in that journey, you know, you could be on the contraception end of that journey of really not being ready to do that right now, but maybe thinking about it one day, or you could be, you know, I've been doing this for trying this for six months at this point and the holistic physical, mental, and social support and approach to that process and that decision-making, but then also having like hyper-specific messaging as the user gets further into the funnel around those specific experiences. Right. So like the overarching message is like starting, start a, and raise a family with confidence. And then these two kind of tracks ladder up to it so that no matter where you are in the journey, whether that's the planning stage or the starting phase, you can 
trust that you have this resource to help you and guide you through that process. Exactly. And that start and raise a family with confidence took iteration and user testing to kind of get to nail that exact language. But that was, yes, that was the overarching message that we, that we landed on. Awesome. And, you know, for product marketers out there who are also in the world of B2B to C, you know, are there, what do you think are like the main differences as you're thinking about your messaging and positioning for those who are marketing kind of that B2B to C versus uh, more of a B2C approach? So I think two big differences on the employer side. I think the big, you know, obvious thing to keep in mind is that the person buying the product is not necessarily going to be an end user. Sometimes we're lucky with that. And some of our biggest fans of Maven or people who work in HR or benefits who are women or who have started families and can really relate to that experience. And that's what attracted them to us as a benefit. But oftentimes it might not be that person. And so you really have to spend a lot of time like building empathy around the the right. user and around the problem that you're solving for and why it's important and why it's something worth investing in. And then secondly, on the employer side, these sales cycles can sometimes take really long. So you might not be, you know, marketing where your product is today, but really a vision for where your product is going to be six months from now or 12 months from now when they're actually ready to sign the contract with you. So it's really sort of thinking ahead a little bit of the positioning for where your product is going to be down the line and positioning that. Whereas on the consumer side, that can actually get you in a lot of trouble because when a consumer is ready to sign up, you want to set their expectations up appropriately between like what they're expecting and what they're (laughs) going to get. And so yeah, the value um, props you're offering better be (laughs) and benefits better be what they get. Yes, exactly. So that those are two differences I think worth keeping in mind. Awesome. So in in talking about, you know, really trying to plan the messaging for the future, I think more than ever our world is changing especially around the interest in reproductive health and not just for female bodies, but making sure that as companies and as brands were launching products that are inclusive of all genders and sexes and family types, is this something that as a team you think through often when building uh, messaging strategies? Yes, absolutely. Diversity and inclusion is such a big topic at Maven. We were founded as a women's health company because we want to acknowledge that there are specific experiences that are unique to the female body and to the female experience. So for example, you can't deny that more women leave the workforce after having a child than men do. And so those are realities of our society. But at the same time, you know, we live in a world where the conversation on diversity and inclusion is quickly evolving and it's important. And it's something that our buyers certainly care about as an employer in 2020 or 2021, I'm sure you're constantly 
thinking about how do you communicate in a way that's inclusive to your employees and every action that you take, even which benefits you choose to bring on or not are indicative of what your stance is. And so we do think about those trade-offs. So for our preconception care program, for example, we initially launched it as a product that was um, designed for the women's experience of reproductive health. And we were surprised to learn that, you know, we got a lot of men enrolled when we launched a lot more than we thought. And so that was an interesting insight and learning. And that's helped validate that this is a topic that men are interested in too. And so that's going into our product backlog as something to explore further as a way that we can expand this, expand this product in the future. And so we're constantly both learning from the buyer and what's most interesting to them and from users too, we're seeing more men enrolled. And so we know there's interest in that and that would absolutely shape or be an input into like how we decide to evolve the product in the future. Right. I mean, I I think I saw this somewhere, but I think it was the CDC that infertility impacts 12% of women ages, you know, 15 to 44 years old, but in about 8% of couples, infertility is actually due to the male factor. So, you know, like that makes total sense that men are just as interested in this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's sort of the direction we've evolved in, in some of our more mature product lines as well. So with maternity, you know, our initial maternity program was for women. And then we later went on to launch a partner experience. So how do I, as a partner of a female who's pregnant, what should I know about what my partner is going through and how do I support them through that process? And then what about same-sex couples that are considering alternative paths to pregnancy or people that are choosing adoption or surrogacy? And so that's where, you know, our adoption and surrogacy tracks came from. And so definitely we have a women's health focus, and I think it's a powerful one to kind of- choose a user group and really build for them, but we're certainly thinking about inclusivity as well through that process. And in talking about messaging, I think one thing that really stands out for me, especially in the reproductive health space and just health space in general, is that on the consumer side, there's so much education that needs to happen around how much treatments actually cost in order to understand the value prop of Maven and Maven planning. Is this something that your team thinks through in building out messaging? We, you know, with the early user research that we did, we knew that financial planning was definitely one of the stressors involved in starting to think about having a family and that something that our users wanted support with. And then on the flip side, we also know once you enter the world of fertility treatments, just from the industry knowledge that we have about the healthcare system, how expensive that can be. So for example, (laughs) an IVF cycle can cost tens of thousands of dollars and you can be going through multiple cycles before two to three cycles. Right. And oftentimes a substantial portion of that might come um, out of pocket. And so with the MVP of our planning program, knowing that we shared that research and insights with our product team and our 
product content team in particular built some literature about the financial planning aspect of starting a family. And so that was definitely part of our initial messaging of the program, where, as I mentioned, the messaging was about starting and building a family with confidence, both through caring for yourself and your body, and then also through the financial um, support and advice that you get through Maven about this process. And as we've launched the program, that's actually been an interesting insight that we've continued to see how we can represent the voice of the customer to make sure that financial advice and, and planning piece is something that we continue to to grow on and, and build as part of the product experience. And then as we do, that'll certainly tie back to continued messaging about it as well. Yeah, I love it. And okay, so in talking about planning, I'd love to switch gears and talk about, you know, channel activation and go-to-market because I think unique in your situation at Maven is that you are basically launching both on a B2B and B2C side, which can be really daunting to some product marketers. How did you start to think through prioritization of launch materials and, and what comes first? Yeah. So as I mentioned, with a product like ours, we really need employers to buy the product first um, before we can start launching it to their employees. And so it really started first with like the buyer positioning and the buyer channel activation. And so really meeting our buyers where they are. There are certain conferences and events every year that are specifically dedicated to learning about new benefits. Our sales team is a big part of that growth engine on the buyer side. And so thinking about our sales materials, like our pitch decks and our product sheets and building out product demos and really equipping and training that team to go tell the story of our planning product in the market and relying on them for feedback as well. What's resonating, what's not resonating so that we can quickly iterate on those things. And then there's also our existing client base. There's no better potential buyer to try something out with than someone who's already, you know, excited about and an advocate for your product. And so making them aware of this new program as well and the opportunity to continue to grow with Maven. So those were sort of like the early priorities of getting the word out there, getting feedback and iterating. And then at the same time, we wanted to really establish. So priority number two was really about establishing ourselves as a thought leader in this space and creating buzz that is applicable to a general audience, whether it's buyers, consumers, about our position in, in this new space. And so that's through content and press and like really working with our buyer marketing team on kind of activating some of those top of funnel channels as well that will continue to drive things downstream. And then last, as we get buyers on board, then we think about the consumer audience and really refining the messaging for them. And it's kind of like a tricky dance in the benefit space <laughs> because you have ideas for how you want to reach consumers, but then your client is a big stakeholder in that and they might right. have ways that they communicate with their employees. And so you're kind of working with them to figure out what channels do they have? What channels do you recommend? Like how do you reach a happy medium and what is coming from their benefits or HR team? What's coming from you like made in the company, but in the end, it doesn't look that different from other consumer marketing campaigns in that you're using email and direct mail and webinars and different ways to kind of drive interest with the consumer base. And then you're also using the channel that 
this particular organization might have in place, whether it's their internal internet or, you know, training their internal teams to go evangelize your product, whether it's their HR team or specific ERGs they might have, like a women's group or a parenting group, and then tapping into their open enrollment period at the end of the year to make sure this is like one of the benefits among others that their employees are aware of. And do you think, or, you know, is there one channel within this mix on the consumer side that really sticks out to you more than the rest as being super successful in the launch of Maven planning? I think that there are two that come to mind on the sort of like pure consumer marketing side. One thing that has been performing really well for us is like just good old-fashioned direct mail, like postcard or a flyer or something from Maven informing um, people about this benefit. And one of the reasons why I think this has worked really well is when you're going through the employer or going through email, you're only reaching the employee, but not their partner. But through direct mail, you're able to reach the whole family. And so a partner at home may discover this benefit that they might not have known about otherwise, unless they they had been told about it or, or informed about it by that specific employee who is eligible. And so we're able to expand our audience through direct mail, which has been really interesting. Interesting. Um, and then through employers, there are kind of these like benefits portals through companies like Castlight and Virgin Pulse that are really effective at targeting employees who might find use in a particular benefit and creating an incentive like a point system for them to sign up for that benefit and potentially even some sort of cash reward and so tapping into those like incentive programs through portals that employers already have in place has actually proven to be really effective as well. Got it. And so, you know, this is launched, Maven planning launched in around the summer. How's it been going so far? Like, what are some of the key learnings from the launch? We actually exceeded our, you know, enrollment targets, which has been awesome. And so some of those channels that I mentioned have played um, a really big role in driving that. We've also learned about the need for financial planning support and continuing to expand on that, potentially the need to both figure out how to message this to a male audience and and build our product experience around that audience as well. And then I think we've continued to learn more about, you know, how we're going to message this to buyers and how we're going to message it to users moving forward. So for users or consumers, rather, we spoke about this in the beginning, but we have a range of programs available to them from preconception to adoption to surrogacy, egg raising is really hyper-specific experiences. And that works really well. It aligns with all the principles of like hyper-specific marketing as the thing that works for a consumer. Here is this product that is built exactly for my experience. Whereas on the buyer <laughs> side, you know, as we've added planning and like continue to expand our suite of product offerings, it's getting pretty confusing around like how to figure out how Maven fits into their their family benefits goals. And so we've really had to simplify the way we talk about our product into three buckets. Fertility, which is encompassing of like all of those pre-parenting experiences, including planning, maternity, and then parenting. And so we've sort of seen this divergence on, on the messaging side and continue to evolve that as we learn. 
Well, I am so excited. I feel like I am sold. If I wasn't sold before, now I'm really sold. I feel like I am the perfect candidate for Maven planning. With just a few moments left, I want to ask like one or two more questions in, in rapid fire form. So, you know, time and time again, we hear that product marketers are the voice of the customer. And I wanted to know what like WTF does this actually mean? And what does it look like in practice at Maven? So it, it is funny. It's one of those really ambiguous things on every job description that you see for product marketing. And it's really kind of up to you to develop or evolve, especially at, at an earlier stage company, you know, how you want to interpret and, and apply that part of the role. For me at Maven, I think it means two things. One is really building a shared understanding among our marketing team, our product team, and the organization as a whole about who our user is and what problems we're solving for them, as well as what feedback they're having about our product experience so far. And so the way we do that is through user research. So as we're developing a new product like planning, doing a bunch of exploration around that problem space, developing user journeys, developing personas or segments of users. So that's user research bucket. Then there's user feedback. So once you've launched the thing, having processes in place to get feedback directly from users, whether it's through things like surveys or routinely digging through your customer support ticketing tool and like reading through the tickets and categorizing and tagging them, building. We actually recently just launched a member advisory board at Maven, which is a group Maven advocate users who um, we're meeting with regularly to just give us feedback on the product experience. So that's the second bucket feedback. And then the third is like looking at data, like how are users engaging with your product on the aggregate level and what insights can you pull from there? And right. so the way we do it at Maven is we have a monthly newsletter as a product marketing research team that we share out to our entire product marketing sales and operations organizations that takes all of those different work streams, synthesizes everything we've learned, and then we share it out to the rest of the uh, organization. So it's an internal yeah, so it's an internal newsletter. Our marketing team has then gone and like built really interesting campaigns off of some of the insights that we've shared. So it's making sure we're all on the same page awesome. on what we're hearing about our users. And then on the flip side, I think with the customer also means having an active voice in the product road mapping process. And so product marketing has a seat at that table as we're going through that process each quarter and kind of viewed as a user expert in helping shape that roadmap. That's fantastic. And final question, you know, just last year, Maven secured 45 million in Series C funding. When thinking about the future of Maven, what are you most excited for? Yeah, Maven is in this really exciting stage of hyper growth where through the pandemic, there's just so much more interest and acceptance in different ways of providing healthcare and virtual care models for specific groups of users, including women and families. It is of interest both to some of the leading employers in the country and the world, as well as to health insurance plans as they think about how we innovate on the care model. So I'm just super excited about all the traction that we've 
uh, scene, which is going to enable us to reach a larger and larger population that can benefit from our product. And then one thing that's in our strategic roadmap as a company is being able to expand our product and partner with Medicaid and and bring Maven to Medicaid populations. And so I'm just super excited to continue to maximize the the impact of Maven with the populations that need it most. And that comes totally full circle with your passion for social justice and really kind of like what led you to Maven in the first place. So that's super exciting. Yep, absolutely. Monsi, it was so fantastic getting to chat with you. I am positive that you are going to be getting tons of LinkedIn inbounds after this with questions. So if that is the case, where can people connect with you? Yeah, feel free to just shoot me a note on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and learn from each other about product marketing or share more about Maven. Awesome. Well, Monsi, thank you again so much. And all right, everyone, we will see you next week. Thanks for, for tuning in. Bye.